0: Welcome to Unlikely Intersections, where intent, impact, and inquiry inspire our conversations. It is great to be back with my good friend, Dr. Terry Jackson. I'm Dr. Philip Brown, and we're going to explore intersections again in 2023. The interesting thing about intersections, of course, is that we all have many intersections daily in our lives, and the way we navigate them determines the trajectory of our day and our life and our future. And speaking about future, 2023, let's get started. And you know, we took our own advice. Uh, at the end of 2022, we took mm-hmm. a nice break, rhythm and balance. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting to be back. And we also took our own advice on let's get started because this is actually our second episode. Uh, we got started already with a fantastic guest, uh, Aisha Bercell. Mm-hmm design thinking, design the long life you love. And I would encourage our listeners to go back and pick up that episode if they Mm -hmm. didn't get it already, because Mm -hmm. it is a spectacular one. But today we're going to talk about Let's Get Started for 2023.
1: Let's Get Started for 2023. And the magical question is, do we actually get started? Or is it simply a reprioritization of challenges and issues that we feel
0: that we really need to work on? That's right. There's no going back. That's right. We have to start where we are. And we see that theme emerge in so much of what we talk about anyway, right? It's maybe we you know, accept people where they are or mm-hmm. accept situations as they are, and here we find ourselves living right into the message. Let's take it where it is. Mm -hmm. Let's design something going forward.
1: Too often I hear people saying, I wish I could get this back. I wish I could do this again. I need to get my old life back. No, you don't. You need to start where you are and continue to move forward because you will never get back what was. Maybe a semblance of that. But time doesn't stop for anyone. It keeps going. And if you stop, then that really means death.
0: I'm learning that lesson over the break, right? Because, you know, as a former runner, marathon runner and everything, I sort of had the wild idea. I said, let's let's see if we can run again. You know, I had several injuries (laughs) over the years and kind of broken down a little bit. So I eased into it and I remember how uh, uncomfortable it is. And I'm not sure I'm going to get back where I was. In fact, I'm sure I'm not. But I'm just looking for a type of exercise, an activity that makes me feel good, Mm -hmm. helps me have more energy during the day. And so now I'm grappling with it. Let's get started and see what uh, outdoor fitness looks like for 2023 for Doc Philip Brown. That's
1: right. And it's interesting that you said it that way, right? What does it look like in 2023 for Dr. Philip Brown? It's not going to look like 2022 or 2021. And it's taking that fresh approach of how can I see this differently? right? How can I interpret it differently, right? How can I say it differently? Because it's all going to be different because we know that the first law of nature is change. Everything is constant change. And so I don't know where the idea of, let me take it back to where it was, because nothing ever goes back to that.
0: And that's a good thing. One of the things I'm doing in my personal journey this year with that exercise is, You know, I'm kind of working on a walk, run type thing, Mm -hmm. just activity, aerobic activity, good health. But I've got a really beautiful loop that I do a lot of times. And one of the things I'm doing to incorporate into that is the mind component, right? Mm -hmm. And how do I look out over that scenery and see something new? With each lap of the loop, and it's amazing how that opens up possibility. Yeah, it it really does. I I have a a a track
1: that I walk right. I kind of walk and jog, and if you walk the regular track, it's it's you know. And when I speak of track, I'm not speaking of a physical track we go to, but this this just a route that I walk in. It's if I take the walk regular route, I think one time around is maybe nine tenths of a mile something like that. But if I add in the little dips, then I come out with about one point three and I add the mind, the mind component to it. uh, Go through what my mantras are and and just ask to be able to see uh, the world a little bit differently uh, every time. It's been extremely helpful.
0: So referring back to our, our first episode of the year and we had just as I, as i mentioned at the beginning aisha bursell who talked about a lot of stuff but but her book in particular designed the long life you love and that's really instructive to us i think going forward into 2023 is mm-hmm. that while we don't have control of everything we have a lot of influence in terms of what that can look like if we put some structure into it and and try to design something
1: I, I would agree and you know I, I and I I'm a, you know being that we're in Wilmington North Carolina I'm, a, I'm gonna take it to a couple places that that should be con- it should be considered how do you design what it is that you'd like to have how you like to live right and so as I think of the African-american community and we're you know everybody's talking about gentrification right it's not nobody's <laughs> regentrifying you right the challenge is, People have seen opportunities. They have the necessary resources to go in to purchase, to purchase uh, assets. They purchase them. Uh, they actually uh, repurpose them often. And it it has a tendency to happen in the African-American community. So people are saying, we gentrification, we've been gentrified out. <clears throat> what I would suggest is to the African-American community is how do you take that framework of Isaiah Burzell's and How do you say, how do you design the neighborhood you'd like to have that might be inclusive or exclusive of gentrification? How do you change your reality around being the victim of gentrification and become the victor and begin to maybe collectively purchase some of those properties that others are purchasing? Prime example is I was talking to you earlier about um, I'm a Prince Hall affiliated Mason, Gibble number two. Masonic Lodge is on the corner of 8th and Prince's. It's the second oldest uh, African-American Masonic Lodge in the state of North Carolina, built in 1871 by the hands of freed slaves. And so it has some challenges as far as restoration is concerned. Trying to get some grants uh, from the Novant Foundation. And so a gentleman came to me and asked me to sit in on some meetings uh, because he doesn't understand the language, first and foremost. Uh, he's not a business person. And so because I'm a, I am ai was raised in that lodge, I'm going to go sit and, and, and help. But given where that is, I'm sure that's part of the historical district. And I can understand why maybe grants aren't given, because I'm sure that's pretty precious and valuable property. But how can we change the mindset and how we view it in order to, Win versus seeing it as a loss. And, 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 and so that's just, just I go back to collaboration and co creation, right? Co creating a new future by seeing the future differently and using the tools that Isaiah so eloquently spoke of in our last episode.
0: It's so fascinating about history. Mm. And I was having a conversation with an individual earlier in the year, and we were talking about history and talking about how, you know, a lot of history is is vanishing. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if the lack of emphasis on history is setting us up to repeat some of the same mistakes Mhm. And it's fascinating that you think, you know, we celebrate a lot of times certain landmark events, certain special happenings, but without context, they're meaningless. Mm -hmm. And so it makes me wonder what it would really take to go back and pick up a richer version of history, mm-hmm. so that we really had a better and firmer understanding of where we came from and how that plays into the design of the future. Mm-hmm. A lot like what Aisha talked about mm-hmm. with the with the hero exercise, yes. right? So, mm-hmm. but you go back and you think about all of that history and things that you would like to draw from it. Mm-hmm. And not replicate, but take forward. Mm -hmm. And
1: that's the magic, right? How do you look at the old, take it forward in such that it's a new view of it, while you're still using the fundamentals of the principle of the old, right? You make it new and it is something new, even though there are a lot of the remnants of the past in it. How you give reverence to the past in in the future but knowing that the future is totally different than what the past was, right? So we, we definitely have to pay homage to the past. We have to remember the past. But we also know we got to keep moving, right? And and it's going to be it's going to be different. And so that's why I always say the fundamentals don't change.
0: That's a mouthful. The fundamentals are always going to be the fundamentals, whether you talk about relationships or sports or business or anything. I and mean, mm-hmm. we know that. There's always an obligation to revisit the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. All the greats in any industry, in any pursuit always tend to be very, very good mm-hmm. at all the fundamentals of whatever it is that mm-hmm. they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, an obvious example mm-hmm. of that comes to mind is Michael Jordan and people think about all the high flying stuff and how, you know, he was an incredibly gifted athlete mm-hmm. and he was There are also a lot of athletes similarly gifted, Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe not as disciplined. And Mm -hmm. the thing about Michael Jordan is he was just addicted to fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And so when you'd see him play defense, he was always in the right position. Mm -hmm. That's not by accident, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Always practicing fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's a lot to be learned from that. And We have to do that.
1: His greatness was the fact that, In one year, he was the MVP of the league and the defensive player of the league at the same time. He scored more than 30 points that year per game, as well as being the defensive stopper of the league. So that tells you a lot about the fundamentals of of, of the game. You know, something that we've kind of discussed and I thought about as we were um, having – this conversation, we talked about the fundamentals. Let's talk about the fundamentals of humanity, right? This past, last week we saw DeMar Hamlin. We saw him in the football game, you know, didn't look like it was a particularly hard tackle, but something happened and what we saw on the field we'd never seen before and he kinda died right there in front of our eyes. But when he was resurrected on the field, there was a sense of the resurrection of humanity. All of the prayers for him, all of the love shown to him, his foundation going from roughly $2,500 to over $8 million. And I was like, wow, and we kind of discussed it. And the question was, how do we normalize that type of behavior in humanity. Is it a restart as in 2023? Or is it simply a reprioritization of how humans should treat each other?
0: It was an amazing example of connection. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the things we know is that people tend to respond to tragedy. it puts folks in an emotional place, and that opens up all kinds of positive things in, in many cases. It showed us how fragile life was. Mm-hmm. It, it, it turned everything backwards, right, because mm-hmm. you've got this super healthy, ultimately fit athlete maybe not even to the prime of their life and career yet Mm -hmm. at 24 years old, right? Clearly on the way up and suddenly gone. Mm -hmm. And then brought back Mm -hmm. to who knows what, because we we don't know the whole details of what actually caused it. There's more testing. I mean, I'm a doctor and I'm not going to speculate at this point in time. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. more work to be done to understand what happened. Uh, But we do know that Long story short, he's alive. Mm -hmm. He seems to have his mental faculties. Mm -hmm. He's going to have a good recovery, you know, know, in some component. Now, what if it's different than what his previous life was? We don't know. Mm -hmm. Can't tell. Mm -hmm. But it really gave everybody that pause, that space to think, wow, this was something outside the ordinary. And it united the entire league. Mm Mm-hmm. And in many respects, large cross sections of the country, simultaneous to what was going on with him <laughs> mm-hmm. and the unity that we saw mm-hmm. you know, in our House of Representatives, we saw chaos mm-hmm. trying to elect a speaker, a mm-hmm. leader of that house and all the, the small deals and big deals that were made to make that happen just seems so out of place Mm -hmm. when the country is in the context of humanity and Mm -hmm. some things are more important than others. And I just thought that was such a fascinating paradox. Mm -hmm. I agree with you
1: 100%. And what I also reflected back on with Hamlin was George Floyd. And once we saw the footage of what actually happened, Uh, the officer having his knee on his neck and we saw George died in front of us and I thought about Hamlin and we saw Hamlin die in front of us. Hamlin was was resurrected, Floyd wasn't. But what I also saw that was very similar is how the country kind of came together for a minute. So my question is, as The country came together around George Floyd and companies began to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and what they were going to do. I question how long will the country remain together under Hamlin and will it go back to what it was? Or again, as I asked earlier, how do we normalize this behavior so that when I see my fellow human being, I have nothing but love for my fellow human being. And how can we teach that to what we saw happen in the Senate?
0: Wow. Well, it's it's the consummate lesson in perspective versus context. Mm-hmm. And I love the way this plays out because it's so important, right? The context of it was a football game. Right. It was extremely talented individuals competing trying to win on the scoreboard against one another which means win play by play throughout Mm -hmm. the game Mm -hmm. but the unique thing about it was that that was overwhelmed by the perspective of human life and the fragility of Mm -hmm. human life in that moment Mm -hmm. and in the subsequent moments that followed when it was unclear as to what was gonna happen to this young man who we could all identify with in many respects, right? Mm -hmm. Just a young, healthy person doing what he loves, what he's good at, and all of a sudden, as a part of that process, he's gone. Mm -hmm. And so that lesson, that perspective taking over is really important, I think. And there's a lesson to be had for us all in Mm -hmm. how we lead because we can't ever uh, allow context to overcome or overwhelm the greater perspective. One of the greatest uh, examples of that I can remember is from Mike Krzyzewski and the Redeem team with LeBron James mm-hmm. and the late Kobe Bryant and D. Wade and all them, where he wanted them to all bring the con- to the context of basketball. Mm-hmm their best self, the name on the back of the jersey. But the greater perspective is that they represented Mm -hmm. the country of the United States of America. And he did a lot of things that are outlined in his book, The Gold Standard, to help bring that to their minds. Mm -hmm. But the results were transformational based on what had been happening in international basketball at the time. Mm -hmm. And we can bring that to this situation, I think. Mm -hmm. We can we can use what has happened here and the the national response in a profoundly positive way if we can avoid distraction Mm -hmm. if we can remember that at the end of the day we're just a collection of human beings and we have at our essence that one huge thing in common we're Mm -hmm.
1: just people we're just people we're just human Um, you know, I heard many of the football players say that people realize now that we are human, you know, we may be called superstars, but at the end of the day, we're just people. And I was looking at an interview last night, one of the running backs for for Buffalo. And he says, you know, um, in the neighborhood in which I grew up, we saw death. He says, but oftentimes for me, I just happened to walk up on a situation as I grew up and I saw it. He said, but this time what made it different is I was on the field beside him and I saw every step of what happened as related to his process of death and then his resurrection by the first responders and the medical um, professionals who were there to bring him back. And I don't remember the gentleman's name, but I vividly remember the picture of him and how he was crying. He had to be really consoled. And, you know, the big offensive lineman grabbing him and hugging him. And we saw humanity at its best. We saw the two opponents become one, right? They, Walked to each other's sidelines they hugged they watched they had the conversation because at the end of the day they realized that how fallible they actually are as human beings in the greater game of life and i reflected on, on some things that they said like you know we go to war with each other on the football field i'm like this is not war this is a game and the win is only on the school board you want to walk away. Uh, You're going to walk away from this. Somebody might get injured. You know, a bone may be broken or whatever. But at the end of the day, war is about eliminating a group of people to gain resources and control that group of people and control that land. That happens in war. It doesn't happen in a game. You're playing a simple game that's maybe considered warlike for what 60 minutes and that's it and then you go home
0: that's right <laughs> yeah that's a whole whole different thing and you know i've had the blessing or curse uh to have spent a large part of a career really close to life and death mm-hmm. i mean as a as a vascular surgeon as somebody who took all kinds of emergency call and and took care of people on the brink of death commonly. Uh, It's really interesting what that does. And honestly, even after 20-plus years of being in that moment over and over again, I still have to work through that whole process, right? Because there's a professional me that has walled certain parts of it off because it's too heavy to carry around all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you just kind of, you segment that in your professional life and then that's profoundly different from when you're personally touched by it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a different response and a different set of feelings to work through. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things about the, the DeMar Hamlin thing, you know, it's just like great, uh, books, great movies, It puts you in a space of identifying with Mm -hmm. a character. Mm -hmm. And so many of us identified with what happened to him. Maybe it didn't necessarily resonate that we were him. Maybe it was we were a family member of his or a teammate Mm -hmm. or whatever. But Mm -hmm. it put us into a moment where we said something's not right. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the world is, is, is off its axis right now based on this because this is not the way it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and regrouping from that gave us a chance to say, mm-hmm. yeah, football is just a game. The mm-hmm. rest of this stuff's a lot more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a special moment that I think we need to, we need to try to grow from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And it is the reprioritization of humanity, right? To be able to look and see uh, what happened to him. You know, I'm looking at the game and I see him make the tackle. And then I see him get up and I see him fall back. And I'm like, wow, this guy's injured. I didn't think about death. All I'm thinking is he's injured. And then as I looked at my Facebook page, a Facebook friend of mine said, that guy died right in front of us. And I thought about it, and I began texting friends. I said, did you see what I saw? And after a couple minutes, I said, oh, this doesn't look good. I don't think he's going to make it. And then the medical professionals resuscitated him, and we really couldn't see what was happening because the teammates had him surrounded. They didn't want anybody to see what was going on you know and, and as some of the football players said when they saw CPR they knew that it was serious and it was something totally different and so I'll go back to a book that I, re- I read by Dr. Eddie Glaud out of Princeton a professor at Princeton called Begin Again and he talked about the value gap there's a value gap how certain people value themselves more than they value others in this society we saw with Hamlin, I don't give a it doesn't matter. <laughs> How you value yourself, right? At the end of the day, we're all gonna have that experience and we're not gonna come back. So whatever value that you gave yourself is 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 an illusion. It's delusional. How do we value the entirety of humanity equally? And that's what the real issue and, and so it is a reprioritization of humanity. We we already know that we are all human, but the the illusions start to come into play about who we think we are. When it, at the end of the day, it's just like I mentioned to you about the pope. One of the popes just left us. He's not coming back. He was a human being.
0: Just, That's right. <laughs> he
1: was a human being.
0: You know, and that gets to the concept of how uh, interdependent we really are. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminds me of a an old poem by John Donne. My dad used to quote all the time, probably still does, you know, and it, it, for whom the bell tolls, and mm-hmm. no man is an island entire of itself. And, you mm-hmm. know, it ends up, you know, so sin not to see for whom the bell tolls, the bell tolls for thee, mm-hmm. right? Because every man's death diminishes me because I'm part of mankind. Mm-hmm. And when we have that as the perspective, in our daily lives, things go better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can call it a brother's keeper thing or how, however mm-hmm. you want to contextualize it, right, is that we are all so incredibly mutually dependent. Mm-hmm. And we fail to recognize that only to our own detriment, right? Because it's, it is so heartening and empowering to be part of something greater. Mm -hmm. And each of us individually is just such a tiny, tiny piece Mm -hmm. of the whole, Mm -hmm. not unimportant Mm -hmm. because there are no unimportant people. Mm -hmm. Um, But to be part of something greater, that humankind is, is something that I think helps
1: give hope. I would agree, and, and I'm going to reflect back on the last episode we had with IJ Bursell, and she talked about a framework that can help people in the world create solutions, right? Something bigger than yourself. She said she'd gotten into being an industrial, uh, I guess, engineer uh, uh, to redesign and come up with solutions, and then she realized that what she was doing could help humanity, across the globe, if they just use the, the framework of designing the life you love, designing the long life you love, you know, designing the neighborhood you love, designing the family you love. The framework is endless, timeless, and applicable to all that we do, but to have the thought process that her family members were attorneys and they saw the world from a pessimistic perspective And she wanted to see it from an optimistic perspective. And so that's why she went into the work that she went into. Just it's brilliant, but it gives us a lot to think about. You know, are we a pessimist? Are we an optimist? And how are we designing the world around us?
0: Fascinating. And it reminds me of our friend who's going to be a guest in just a couple of weeks, uh, Dr. Shrikumar Rao, mm-hmm. it's the fundamental question, right? Is the mm-hmm. universe a friendly yes. place? <laughs> and you know, it's interesting because when we talk about designing the long life we love or designing something intentionally, and you said it several times, we're really talking about a process.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's an illusion to think that our plan is going to play out exactly like we thought anticipated Mm -hmm, it would mm -hmm, right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's just a model Mm -hmm. and and it's a model that probably helps us navigate in the moment a little bit better it's directional Mm -hmm. it sort of points us in what we think is a positive direction and ideally with a viable first step Mm -hmm. and then after that it's being in the moment understanding the fundamentals and being part of humanity that's right that's right um i've talked about
1: the process of uh, the quantum leap strategy, right? Doctor, Dr. Price and, you know, bringing that together with Dr. Rowell's work, right? And now, <clears throat> given what we, the conversation we had with Dr., well, excuse me, I.J. Broussel, looks like we're gonna kind of incorporate a little bit of herds. But again, it's all a model. Regardless of how many models we're using and how great they are, it's just a model. And so, again, we can't control the outcome. But it's the journey. It's the process. How do you begin the process? How do you begin the journey of designing what you actually want, knowing that it may not end up that way? You know, there are going to be some, some twists and some turns along the way.
0: But at least you're, you're intentional about what you're trying to do. And it's so fascinating to me that, you know, this whole concept of, of happiness and if-then thinking and mm-hmm. all of that, Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things I like to do for fun I love to play the lottery (laughs) right you know because I think about all the good I could do with that Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. kind of money and everything Mm -hmm, and and changes and as I got to exploring some of this thinking more I started playing because it helped me realize it was just an illusion Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. Hey, take, a drink, take a drink, yeah. take a drink, take a
1: drink.
0: It was just an illusion mm-hmm. of something different. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. really need it. Mm-hmm. 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 So it was fun. That's right. It, it, it's amazing um, because as Dr. Rao talks about, he says, so you want to be the CEO of a billion-dollar company. He said, that's not what you really want. You want the feeling that it gives you of being the CEO of a billion-dollar company. And that's the illusion, right? When I attain this, I'm going to be happy. But no, happiness is a, <coughs> it's an inside job. You should be happy regardless. So happiness, and as he talked about happiness and achievement are independent variables but a lot of people like to say that they're dependent and they're actually not we really want the feeling because we want the recognition from others and it, the recognition from others should never dictate one's happiness
0: the thing that's happened to me over the course of my life is tons of people have, have talked about how they would love to have what I have or mm-hmm. be, or do what I do Mm-hmm. And that is such an illusion, like you said, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because when I hear that, and it's really easy to see it when somebody else is doing it a lot harder Mm -hmm. when you're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you want to have worked those hundred plus hour weeks to Mm -hmm. be able to do this. You want to be up all night, every third or fourth night, Mm -hmm. taking care of people who are actively trying to die in front of you. And you want to, sit at the computer keyboard you know after hours on your own time catching up with your medical record and all this mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. yeah they just don't know what they're asking for that's and true. and the truth of it is that's how it is anytime we do it ourselves and so you know that's my lottery fantasy because i you know i have the good fortune of almost every morning being able to walk out and look at a beautiful natural scene, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it always kind of puts me in a headspace that everything's right with the world, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll be playing this lottery, and I go out, you know, and I'm like, well, what if today, last night was the night, and I won it? You know yeah, how yeah, yeah, how yeah, awesome yeah. would that be? And I catch myself now, and I'm like it doesn't solve any of your problems. It doesn't make the universe more aligned whatsoever. It's going to introduce all kinds of new variables you haven't even thought of yet. That's right. And it's not going to bring you uh, any gap closure, right? Because the things I really worry about are, are not fixable by the lottery. Right. Right. Are my kids going to stay healthy? Is my wife going to stay healthy? You know, is, uh, you know, are my parents okay? Uh, all those kind of things that are really they're they're not truly controllable by financial resources and so i've begun to use that lottery as a tiny financial investment in my own mindset mm-hmm. because now i've trained myself every time i start thinking you mm-hmm. know wouldn't it be great if mm-hmm. i realize it's an illusion mm-hmm. and look around you and take in everything that is that is right here and now and man, that's powerful. Yeah. You know,
1: what I gather from that is it's not a bad thing to win all of that money, but it's a bad thing. Not to be happy when you control your own happiness. If you can control your own happiness and, and then win the money, then that's a whole different ball game. But to want to win the money because you think it's going to bring you happiness is that's the illusion. <laughs> yeah, that ain't happening. It's gonna solve all of my problems because let's take a look at all of these entertainers and wealthy people that we see around the world, for whatever reason, have horrible problems that they have to work with and deal with, right? And we sit and think, Well, this guy's a multi billionaire. But he's he's having this problem. Money doesn't solve those problems. You have to solve those problems one way or the other, and oftentimes it's a mindset, right? It's a mindset of where you place yourself in order to be happy. Happiness is something that you you are, you be. It's from the inside. It's like the question. I, you know, we've heard Dr. Rao. You know, is the universe your friend? So many people think that the universe is not their friend, and you think you look about it, you think about it, and you say, "Well, it is. It really is." I think he said that was the greatest question that Einstein ever asked. It wasn't the theory of relativity. It was, "Is the universe friendly?"
0: Yeah. Are the cards stacked against me? Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. That's a, right. That's a you know a disastrous mindset. It kind of reminds me of. Abraham Lincoln, this quote is attributed to him. Uh, I don't know if he really said it, but it's interesting because, you know, he was pretty well documented to have probably what we would call today depression mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, from time to time. But his quote was, I've always found most people to be exactly as happy as they made their mind up to be. That's right. And, that's right. Uh, you know, and that's really, there. there is such a truth in that, and it underscores what I think now is happening is there's so much distraction constant incoming stimuli whether it's electronic digital or noise or just whatever it is that we we don't have the opportunity to or we don't take the opportunity to enjoy moments mm-hmm. to turn down the noise around uh, that's all around us and look at what's directly in front of us Mm -hmm. or who is directly in front of us and Mm -hmm. understand it for the richness of experience that it is and can be. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so absolutely correct. Um, We get caught up in this, uh, the me too, right? Dr. Rao talks about the world, you know, he says, do you remember Galileo? You remember what he did? And he says, you know, the word, the, uh, most of us think that the world revolves around us and it doesn't, right?
0: That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Not a me-centered universe. Yeah, that's right.
1: right. And it becomes an epiphany when we realize that the world doesn't revolve around us, right? It's going to revolve regardless whether we're here or not. It's going to continue to to revolve. So how do we help more people? And I think Ajay kind of spoke to this in the last episode how do we help more people understand that they can design their own life the way that they want it
0: how do you get people to believe right (laughs) yeah yeah. the fundamental question of, of life to a certain extent but it's so true we end up with you know, this whole sense, the the me centered universe or the me perspective uh, plays out in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a big impediment to what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think the most common way that I see it play out for folks is they think things that are said are against them. Mm. Mm-hmm. probably didn't have anything to, you know, somebody says mm-hmm. something that I take as an insult.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nine times out of 10, it didn't even have anything to do with me. I mm-hmm. was just so hung up in myself mm-hmm. being important that I thought, man, they're insulting me. How mm-hmm. dare they? Mm-hmm. And that's a disaster. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? It really comes with understanding the context and perspective, right? Like I'm just a small piece. I'm important like everybody else, um, but I need everybody else too. And to me, the first step is to be able to not take things personally that are said. Because mm-hmm. most of time it's just not that way, mm-hmm. and it's very liberating. And if there's a tool that helps with that, the tool that I use a lot of times, if I sense myself Taking something somebody has said personally or as insulting, I go to the question: What must be true mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in order for that to be the way it is? Mm-hmm. And asking that question just two or three times, and pretty soon you get you, you realize that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: hey, I just missed the boat. That's not even got anything to do with it.
1: And and, and, and that took me to uh, a book that we've that uh, we've mentioned uh, several occasions in other episodes, and that is the book, The Four Agreements, right? Yeah, don't take anything personally, because most of the time it wasn't personal for you anyway. That's right. Yeah, your ego got in the way, (laughs) thinking that it was, right? right? It wasn't about you.
0: Absolutely. That's such a, I mean, that's a go-to book for me. I'm going to read it every year. I mean, I have been reading it Mm -hmm. (laughs) several times a year, a work in progress. Actually, I recently had a great honor. I had the opportunity to speak at commencement Mm -hmm. of my alma mater for the (laughs) winter commencement, and Mm -hmm. I actually... Uh, I, I referenced that book in the, in the in the talk and asked folks to actually go and buy it mm-hmm. and start. Mm-hmm. That was know, an awesome speech, by the way. Oh, I've, I've watched it several times. Yeah, it was a, it was really fun. I mean, you know, I, I, you never know what to expect in a in a way, um, but it was it was really a fun thing to work through. It took me through so many you know good memories of things and and allowed me to connect in different ways to to other folks. So it was a ton of fun, but that four agreements is so key, right? Like, I mean, it, it is not personal. And when you take things personally, it puts you in violation of the next agreement, which mm-hmm. is don't assume. That's right. Uh, because there have to be so many assumptions going into anything that you take personally, mm-hmm. and it just ends up being a bunch of emotional garbage coming at you. but. It's not really coming at you, you're, you're creating it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and stopping doing that is just, it is a life revolution. Yeah. You know, that,
1: that speech allowed, <clears throat> it provided a framework one for students who were graduating to, not to start new, but change their priorities. Because they're going from student to now, hopefully a contributing adult to society through their profession. Right. So they're just adding a little bit more onto who they were. It's just, again, the fundamentals adding to the foundation of themselves as a human human being. Now they're making the transition of the reprioritization. I'm a little student. I can't run around and have this fun 24 hours a day. You know, mom and dad handling all the bills. Now I become more responsible, hopefully more accountable, hopefully in such a way that now I have to I have to reprioritize what I my values, I have to look at them strongly again. Where now I may have thought that the universe revolved around me, I realize that it doesn't, because I'm going into the workforce now, or I'm becoming an entrepreneur, Uh, and so now I have to reprioritize, and I have to see the world differently. I have to hear it differently, I have to experience it differently, because I'm going from student to hopefully a contributing adult to this thing we call humanity.
0: That reminds me of something you talk about all the time, which is every breath you re- is a is a new you, mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. embracing what that means—that's deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's like uh, stare out the window for twenty-four hours and try to figure out what that means <laughs> for you, type deep. Yeah, right? yeah that's right. Is that's that, right. You know, with every breath, you're a new you, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all the stuff that you have accomplished up to then. I mean, it may have put you into a certain position but it doesn't necessarily determine what the next position is gonna be that's up to you that's right that's right that's
1: right and in this whole redesign process IJ mentioned it earlier and uh, we've talked about this a couple of times uh, on a number of occasions in the redesigning process or the reprioritization you asked the question what if
0: that's my favorite question these days, honestly. What if? And it just opens up a whole, it opens up the world. Yes, it does. It's about space. And, you know, we've used it commonly in group sessions and mm-hmm. really as a way of helping groups think outside the box or brainstorm or really mm-hmm. get into that, just into that positive phase of the idea generation. Mm hmm. Uh, if you will, but we probably could all benefit personally from using it as a fundamental. That's right. What if? Open up the,
1: (sighs) I'm going to say open up the heavens of ideas, right? Um, Create different scenarios around what if allow those scenarios to be examined and then choose the best scenario that's applicable to what you're trying to achieve. And even those scenarios that are not chosen, it still allows for so much opportunity for other uh, opportunities to be explored, right? Because It's simply about exploration what if you know? What are the possibilities of what could potentially happen versus what we saw in the house and with that vote? Right.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we saw civil wow. war. We saw a civil war <laughs> happening.
0: Unbelievable, you know. and and, and what ifs? Uh, twin sister. Hmm. Why not? That's right. That's right. You know, those kind of things. I think one of the things that happens to us. I know it happens to me, speak for myself. Sometimes when I go to what if, there can be fear Mm -hmm. if the what if is too grand, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But asking that sister question, why not, Mm -hmm. really helps put some objective uh, reasoning behind that what if question, Mm -hmm. right? And it Mm -hmm. turns out most of the time, The why not list is a lot less than what I feared in the first place. That's right.
1: That's right. That's right. You know, I have this mantra that's along the the journey that I'm traveling now, and it's called I'm making a quantum leap. I know exactly where I'm going. I know exactly what I want. And most importantly, I know
0: why. The thing that if there was like a lesson to take home from, from quantum leap, and put into play and really by put into play I mean a mindset mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. is that progress is hardly ever linear that's right you know that's like, right it is hardly ever linear it goes by leaps and bounds and so the quest becomes how do i connect to something that is synergistic that mm-hmm. is multiplicative of what i'm trying to do mm-hmm. right like I don't want to just add Mm -hmm. i want to figure out how to force multiply Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and that almost always Mm -hmm. if not always involves other people yep i would agree i would agree you know a
1: couple times i visited uh silicon valley and i've said this often i wanted to see why they were as successful in doing certain things versus what we saw on the east coast and i wanted to try to figure out how do they think differently and it really came in exponential thinking, right? Um, their thought processes were just uh, much different. And that's what really the quantum leap is, is okay, we don't want that that incremental, we're looking for the exponential, and we also understand that there are unseen forces that are going, going to have an influence on what we do, but there is an alignment in all of it, and we just have to trust the process
0: the thing to me that is always striking is we have these conversations about unseen forces about the energy of the universe and if some people start thinking man these guys are way out there this cosmic stuff <laughs> yeah. it's really not cosmic right that's like right. the truth of it is the one of the ways that that works is, has to do with what you look for you tend to see more of that's right and when you're in common environments with with similar or overlapping purposes, there's a that commonality of thought mm-hmm. sets you uh, a set of boundaries. And then the diversity of the group, the richness of the group, then determines how that explodes. That's right.
1: And I guess the question is, how can we get more people, as you said earlier, to believe and more people to see that it's possible.
0: It's an issue of trust, right? Yes. To a certain extent. Yes. Do I trust other people? Do I trust myself enough? Am I you know, am I trustworthy? Mm-hmm. Am I as good as I think I am as a contributor? Or am I an imposter? I mean, it gets yeah, to yeah. all the stuff, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most importantly, not that they don't believe in it. I think the real belief comes in belief in self. Do they believe in themselves enough to be able to accomplish, to go through the process? Believe and trust, the same thing, almost synonymous. Let me believe in me and trust me that I can go through the process to, of, of this quantum leap. We're not talking about outcomes because we can't control that. But we're just talking about the journey.
0: Yeah, and that journey, like you said, is self-work. Mm-hmm. The work is inside me. We know that from leadership. And we manage to trick ourselves so many times mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. getting stuck. Every time you find yourself stuck, you know, just look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Usually mm-hmm. you'll find out, you know, why you're stuck. Mm-hmm. It's right, it's the guy in the mirror. You know,
1: someone asked me. They asked me they said, well, what's your next mountain to climb?" I said, "My next mountain to climb is me. I'm my own mountain. There's a whole lot of exploration left within me to self work right to figure out who I am and what I need to do and who I need to be. so I'm the mountain right i don't you know I don't need the the exterior stimulation." To understand me I need to understand myself more because I think they said something around we only use about 10% of our brain power I think I've heard that before well what if I use 15% of my brain power and where does that where does that actually put me you know uh, I'm the mountain that I need to climb
0: yes yeah, it's that's a final frontier uh, concept right we talk about mm-hmm. space the final frontier and now mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the ocean mm-hmm. is a final mm-hmm. frontier so mm-hmm. unexplored mm-hmm. but In a lot of ways, it's the human mind and the deep exploration of that Mm -hmm. that is a a final frontier because that's actually, or maybe it's the first frontier now Mm -hmm. because that's what puts the limits. It's how we think that imposes all the limits as we know them. That's right. I've asked the question often, what
1: if you've never heard the
0: word limitation?
1: Where would you be? If, you, if that wasn't a part of our vocabulary, where would we be if we didn't know what that was? It's yeah. interesting.
0: <laughs> that is. I really, That really is. Well, Terry, I think we are off to an outstanding 2023 start. and really want to thank our listeners uh, today for joining us. If our listeners want to find us online, unlikelyintersection.com. Or check us out on Facebook, Unlikely Intersections, or YouTube, Unlikely Intersections. We can be heard on Spotify. Or if you want to catch up to me personally, LinkedIn, Doc Philip Brown. And for you,
1: LinkedIn, uh, Terry Jackson, Ph.D. And I can tell you that we have a host of great guests lined up for 2023. should be life-changing if you really listen and apply the principles that all our guests talk about.
0: It's really exciting. We'll see you guys at the next intersection.